This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 58 of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray. I came here to chew bubblegum and podcast and I'm all out of bubblegum. And and I wouldn't advise doing both of those same things at the same time anyway. Don't don't try to eat and podcast. I was I was uh recording a podcast the other day. I was interviewing uh, Skipper Martin for the uh the Prime Direction and my wife had been out in the backyard Picking some figs off of a fig tree that we got back there. Obviously, she was picking them off a fig tree. <laughs> She'd be picking them off. <laughs> but, Where the figs are. Yeah. And then uh, she comes in here while I'm recording, and she holds out a fig. And I'm, I look at her like, I can't eat and podcast at the same time. What am I supposed to do with that? But sitting across the virtual table from me is a guy that's definitely mastered the art of chewing bubblegum and walking at the same time, Mr. John Irons. John, how are you? I have bubblegum if you want some more to chew. <laughs> yeah, just stick it in the mail. It'll be here the day after tomorrow, <laughs> I'm sure. So, And once again, in chair number three is our friend to the south, Rick. How are you, sir? I'm impressed that you were able to say, picking some figs in one take. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you go back and listen, I said picking. Because I'm from Alabama, I said picking, <laughs> picking some figs. So... We're going to dive right into our topic tonight, and uh, we're going to be talking about movies, about movies. Can can I say something real quick before we do? Go ahead. Because I I, I just want to say, John, thank you for uh, loaning me the American Gods audiobook, because I have been struggling with the TV show, because I listened to the book 10 years ago, and what I'm seeing in the TV show aside from a few isolated scenes is nothing like what I remember from the book. And I was just puzzled as hell. I was like, you know, I know I have some trouble remembering things when it's been, you know, that long since I read it, but this really does not seem to be the book I read. And then the, the the book, the copy you, or the, the, the copy you gave me is with the foreword by Neil Gaiman explaining that the 10th anniversary edition is 12,000 words longer and is essentially a whole new book. Right. And that's what they're basing the TV series on. It makes so much more sense now. <laughs> that's interesting. I don't think I've ever read the like abridged version. I think I think the, the longer one is the only one I've ever I've ever read. 
or listen to. Yeah, because like I, I, and I may be wrong, like you know, because like it has been ten years since I read it, but I seem to recall that the meeting at the House on the Rock was kind of the climax of the book. Correct. And and this is like you know, kind of like a third of the way in. <laughs> Um, so anyway, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm totally enjoying listening to it and I can't, can't, it's like, I can't find enough time in the day to listen to as much as I want to right now. Right. Well, you're welcome. He's adding things to things that he's already written. Who, who's he? George Lucas. <laughs> well, no, it was a matter of, as, as he explains in the foreword, uh, when he originally wrote the book, his editors were like, dude, this is way too long. We won't be able to sell it. You need to cut a whole lot of it out. And he, he essentially chopped out another novel's worth of stuff. That's kind of the same story along the lines of like the stand when Stephen King wrote the stand. Um, right. He had to cut. Uh, if I remember right, he cut about three or 400 pages out of the book because, yeah. because the, uh, the editor told him the same thing. It's just, it's too long. That was the longest book he had written up to that point. And obviously now his audience doesn't care how long his books are. He could, he could come out with a trilogy of phone books and they'd buy, it, you know? Yeah. So I'm only on book number two. Don't, don't spoil it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're all the way up to F. Okay. No. <laughs> all right. So tonight we're going to be talking about movies about movies and TV about TV. And, uh, so these are all movies that have a main theme running through them that they have, they have to do with movie making, uh, they can be a biopic of a Hollywood icon, or they can just have a story that has to do with with making movies. And uh, just throw it in if we happen to think of it, any any TV show that has to do with making TV shows or TV shows about movies, you know, whatever. So um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start, and I'm gonna put out my first pick as being Tropic Thunder. From 2008. Cross that one off my list. Okay. <laughs> my my list is heavy because I figured that we would be uh we would be using each other's. So if if there's anything on my list that one of you guys mentioned, I've still got notes so I can kind of talk about it then. But yeah, I came with like we're only gonna do like maybe five each. I came with like nine <laughs> just in case, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, but uh, Tropic Thunder, 2008, Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, when we decided on this topic, this was the first thing that came to my mind. Because I'm hit or miss on Ben Stiller's humor. You know, I like Ben Stiller. I think he's a funny guy. But sometimes he gets inside of his own head too much and just makes his movie movies about things that he thinks is funny. <laughs> Not necessarily what his audience might think is funny. Zoolander 2 comes to mind because that wasn't good <laughs> at all. But, um... Do you think he thought that was funny, though, or do you think they would just wave somebody in front of him? Like, you want to make another one? Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, he did a he did a commercial recently. Uh, they're doing some kind of a contest where you can you can donate some money to this uh, benefit, and if you win, then you get to play dodgeball with the people that were in dodgeball. And they did like <laughs> they did like a ten minute commercial as the characters from dodgeball, and it just kept going on and on. It's like. This would have been better if it was more like three minutes, you know, but it's you just keep going and keep talking, you know. But um, so the plot of is that a film director is he's about to be fired from his film because it's it's out of control. He's making a war movie and this big expensive pyrotechnic rig goes off and he wasn't even filming it. So he takes his actors and drops them off in the middle of the jungle 
and he uses uh, cameras hidden in trees and stuff to to film them getting out. But he accidentally he doesn't realize he's dropping them into the middle of a big uh, heroin cartel, you know. So you guys have seen Tropic Thunder, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yes. So it's 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 really funny if you get the jokes. But if you turn it on and all you see is uh, Robert Downey Jr. in blackface or Ben Stiller doing his Simple Jack character, then you're probably going to come away really incredibly offended. But <laughs> if you realize... Yeah, definitely need context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you realize that uh, Downey's character is meant to be a parody of some of the lengths that you know a lot of Hollywood actors would go to in order to kind of reinvent themselves later in their career, and also it's a parody of uh, whitewashing in movies... Then it's not as offensive, and if you get um, what Ben Stiller's trying to do, you know the the, the simple Jack character is uh, it was supposed to be kind of like a Forrest Gump type character, but he played it up almost as like a mentally ill person. And I won't say the line that Downey uses because <laughs> I don't say the R word. I'm not even going to say it in, in jest, but uh, that kind of happens in Hollywood. We find it okay to 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 make fun of a class of people, even if it's in a movie you know, that we're watching. We're not actually the ones making fun of them. We're just laughing at someone else doing it as a guy that's overweight. I see that a lot on TV. You know, let's look at the fat guy and laugh at him when he falls down or whatever. And it bleeds out of the movies and to the point that you go on YouTube and you see the fact that a large person on a scooter at Walmart falls off their scooter. And instead of helping them, people get their phones out and, and videotaping, you know, and also the Tom Cruise cameo. Yeah, was awesome, you know, because uh, I think he got really mad that it it, it kind of got leaked out that he was in the movie because he wanted it to be a complete surprise that he was there, which I didn't know he was going to be there. So it was a surprise to me and it took me a minute to figure out that it was him. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Tropic Thunder is definitely my my number one pick. I've never I've I have kind of a strange relationship really isn't the right word, but, but I didn't see it when it was in theaters. I saw it uh, on video later. Yeah. And I can't say that I liked it, but I'm glad I saw it, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You you appreciate it for what it was. Yeah. I I didn't dislike it. I just, I guess because so, oh, you've got to see this movie. It's hilarious. It's not hilarious. It is not hilarious. It is amusing, disturbing, disturbing. you know, the, the scene that really comes to mind whenever I think of it is when they're holding the dude's head and they think it's a special effect. Uh, <laughs> you know, Robert Downey Jr., like you said, if you if you get the joke they're doing, you're like, oh, OK, that I get the joke. But if you if you don't get it, it can be offensive as hell. Yeah. Um, it's it's a good movie that it, it's good that that movie's out there. But I think people need to to go into it. Not expecting it to be a silly laugh your butt off comedy because it really isn't. It's more of a satire, and and a kind of a dark one at that in points. Yeah, I mean there there is uh, there are some moments in the film that are kind of slapstick, but uh, for the most part it is a dark comedy. Um, there are some laugh out loud moments, you know there, and there's some stuff that really makes me chuckle. Like, uh, what's the what's the name of the guy's soft drink that he's advertising? Isn't it called Booty Sweat or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> and then they show that they show that uh, commercial for it. The commercial makes me laugh too. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not 
it's not a Will Ferrell movie, you know. It's not something that you're just going to be sitting there spitting up popcorn laughing at it the whole time. Okay. Rick, you want to go next? Sure. Yeah, when you when you said this was the topic, the there was like like you had with Tropic Thunder, the first top movie that came to my mind was Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah. Ah. And so I I loved the movie the first time I saw it, but it was years ago. So uh I the 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 day you said this that night I watched it. I rewatched it. Um <clears throat> excuse me. It's on Amazon, by the way, folks. It's it, you have to pay a couple bucks, but it's worth it. The uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Plot line? No, this is a scenario. Uh, maybe plot. I, yeah, anyway. It's the, the, the story is – There's a good word, conceit. Yes. <laughs> is that this is the behind-the-scenes making of the 1930s silent vampire movie Nosferatu. And if you're familiar with that uh, – and, and it, it does it, – it sets this fictional situation in a real – uh, or this fictional, oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> it sets this fiction, these fictional events in a real situation where the director asked the Bram Stoker estate to do Dracula as a movie and the estate didn't want, didn't allow them to. So they just changed all the names, set it in Germany and called it Nosferatu. John Malkovich plays the director who is insane. Willem Dafoe plays the vampire, and that's the thing. He tells everybody that the 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 man playing Nosferatu is an actor named Max Schreck who is so into his art that he will never appear to them as anything other than the vampire Count Orlock. The reality is he really is a vampire, and there's arguments because he he kills members of the crew, uh, and there's you know arguments between uh, Malkovich and Dafoe uh, Dafoe about not eating the crew. And Defoe's performance and, – and this sounds like it's a silly movie, but it isn't. It's actually a very, very dark movie, especially towards the end. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting um, study in the descent into madness that some artists can do. Um, and Defoe's perf- uh, performance as this centuries-old vampire is uh, – on the surface can seem kind of silly – but uh, it's very – it's almost heartbreaking at some points. There's this one scene where he's talking to the crew and they're, they're kind of laughing about the, the, the character of Dracula. And he goes on – he does this sort of monologue about how sad he found Dracula to be uh, because he no longer had servants and he had to – he had to go out and buy food for Jonathan Harker because they're, they're talking about the novel Dracula and how, you know, after centuries of not eating, how would he even know how to buy bread or what cheese to pick? Or, and it's just it, – it takes this very uh, surreal, fictional situation and puts an amazingly real spin on it that you just don't even think about. Like what would it be like to be a, you know, a 400-year-old being that hadn't eaten food in 399 years? who suddenly has to go and set a table for a guy because he has to pass as human for a couple until some papers are signed. You know, it's, it's a really, really cool movie. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it again. Uh, and I highly recommend it. His name was Max Shrek. That's the character that Christopher Walken played in Batman Returns. <laughs> yes. So uh, which they was, reused the name. <laughs> yeah, because in, in the movie Nosferatu, in the in the actual 1920s uh, silent movie, the char- the actor that played 
Count Orlok's his his name was Max Schreck. Yeah. Uh, which in German I think means fear or terror or something like that. So it was probably a stage name. Um but yeah, I remember when when Batman Returns came out and I was like, "Oh, Max Schreck." Yeah, <laughs> I get it. So he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And there's uh Eddie Izzard is is also in it. Um and uh Carrie Elways as well so it's a it's a, I, a great movie wonderful fun movie is it yeah okay all right john all right so um listening to both of your uh picks i'm thinking now i probably should have rewatched <laughs> 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 probably should have rewatched because you both spoke in depth and with with uh passion and pathos about uh <laughs> about the films that you've chosen and uh I just kind of thought of like the first thing that came to mind. The first one, you know what? Actually, um, before I do my pick, I'm going to take a complete non sequitur <laughs> <laughs> and just say um, Sean did like the uh, sci-fi Jeopardy at uh, Magic City Con. Yeah. Um, I, I I really hope you got everyone's contact information because nobody answered in the form of a question. Yeah, and you could <laughs> I know. Take all your prizes back. I know. <laughs> oh, I haven't listened to that yet. I forgot you put it out. Yeah, bonus episode. Yeah, the, I put it out as a bonus episode. Yeah, nobody yeah. did, but I didn't. Last it year, good. last year when it we did it, last year when we did it, I would I would go answer in the form of a question, but it gets old doing that after a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> The only way they'll learn, Sean. Right. Did they make you do it at eight o'clock in the morning again? No, it was at uh, noon. It was at noon on Saturday, uh-huh. so it was it's pretty good. Yeah. All right. I just had to get off my chest. All right. So um, my, first, my first movie is uh, uh, technically it's a movie about a play. Noises off. Oh, dude! One of my I use that every year in class. Oh yeah. I love that movie. Is that the one with John John Ritter? Is John Ritter in that? Everybody's yeah, in that. Yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is. It is a. It's a great all star cast. It is uh, a, a lot wonderful of <laughs> farcical comedy. Um, Carol Burnett's in it. Michael Caine, uh, Mary Lou Henner, Marklin. Well, a lot of them are alive. Uh, Christopher Reeve, not so much. <laughs> John Ritter, also no. But uh, yeah, it's so basically the the plot is uh, there's this production of a play. It takes place on the opening night of this play, and this this play is this farce, and it's it's super complicated because it's people. It's it's an ensemble cast, and they're like the timing of the play has to be perfect, like because people are opening doors and um they're shutting doors and oh it's somebody upstairs and they come down and they're over there so so like everything has to be on point all all of the actors have to be in sync and um the sh- the the movie picks up on opening night of the show but it it the story is told in flashbacks of the rehearsals where um the actors are are talented and the writing is good and the director is good but because of interpersonal relationships between the between the, the actors and and the other people on the set, um, it it all begins to crumble and fall apart um, to hilarious results. <laughs> um, so actually, I'll I'll let uh, Rick, if you don't mind, if you want to take points since you since you 
teach you in your class if you uh, want to uh, add anything about it. it. It's a it's a one it's one of the best adaptations of a stage play to a film I've ever seen. Um, I think the only the only film I would say that does it a little bit better is Little Shop of Horrors, um, as far as direct adaptation because uh, Noises Off is a play, um, and in fact. One of the one of the downsides of being a stage technician is the best play in the world gets boring after the third or fourth time uh, you've watched it because you're you're working the show. I never got bored doing Noises Off. I did a we did a production of it uh, in, when I was an undergrad, and uh, and it's just it's an amazing amazing funny show. The funny thing, the my favorite thing to tell my students about the movie is that the play is British. The play was written in England. It's a, it's a spoof of British farce. And if you're uh, British farce is a very specific kind of theater that really doesn't play over here in, in the States where, uh, it's, it's a lot of, y'all remember in like Scooby-Doo and Josie and the Pussycats and all that, there was always a scene with people running through doors, yeah. just yeah. being chased through a bunch of doors. Well, that comes right out of British farce. It's doors, slamming doors, people going in this door, coming out that one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very Benny Hill. Yes, exactly. So the mo- the the play is is was done in England, and then it came over here. Uh, and when I saw the movie for the first time, aside from just having the cast of you know the the you know the, the most amazing cast ever, uh, and also Denim Elliott, who is sadly gone too, who played Selsden. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the movie, instead of it trying, instead of trying to make it take place in England. What it did was it had an American cast all doing various bad English accents and being directed by Michael Caine, who is actually British. Our production that we did was an American cast all trying to do uh, various levels of British accents. And we had a guest director from England who came in who had the added bonus of also trying to sleep with every woman in the, in the, the cast, <laughs> including my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> it, and, you know, looking back on it, 20, you know, 30 years later, it, it was just hilarious. But uh, Noises Off, is, it's a fabulous movie. Unfortunately, it didn't do well in the box office. It did get a theatrical release uh, in the States, but it didn't do well. I can sort of understand it because it is such a faithful adaptation of the play to the screen that it's all, you know, with exception of a couple of like scenes of Michael Caine going out and taking a cab somewhere. uh, It's all pretty much on the set of the show and American audiences especially don't generally have patience for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it it uh, it came out in 92 and I don't I don't remember seeing any commercials for it. You know, I don't remember it being in the theater. The first time I saw it was on HBO. And I just, I was from the channels and I just happened to see it. And I stopped, I think because I saw John Ritter. And I was mm-hmm. a huge John Ritter fan. And um, I was like, oh, was that, is that Carol Burnett? Was that Michael Caine? What is, yeah. what is a movie that I've never heard of? <laughs> and... Um, like I, the, I used to work at a video store, and that was always kind of like my rule of thumb: is if there's a film that you've never heard of, but it's full of great actors, it's a fantastic film. Yeah, yeah. And this certainly qualifies. And Nicolette Sheridan plays spends most of the film in her underwear and is 
just amazing too. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw yeah, it. she's on the poster like that. Yeah, I think I was uh <laughs> I think I was fifteen when I saw it and that's one of the things I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was the, the film nerd when I was about fifteen that uh I was the one that was watching Siskel and Ebert on Saturday night, so I had that's how I heard about it. I didn't see it in theaters, but I did rent it when it came out on video and uh I haven't seen it in a while. I need to go back and watch that. It's a pretty good movie. Okay. Uh my next one is Adaptation. From two thousand two, uh Nicholas Cage, Meryl Streep, and some other folks. Um <laughs> <laughs> I wanted and also Nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to add it but I it took me a while to really figure out what I wanted to say about it because this this is a weird movie and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around if you especially if you only watch it once. Charlie Kaufman, all his movies really are like that. I mean, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you can't watch that movie one time. You've got to watch it a few times to get a sense of what's uh, going on. Being John Malkovich, same way. But Nicholas Nicholas Cage plays Charlie Kaufman, who is a real, a real person. He's a writer, and uh, he wrote the two movies that I just mentioned. And the, this movie was directed by Spike Jones. Um, he's supposed to be writing an adaptation to a nonfiction book called The Orchid Thief. But he had writer's block, and this actually happened. He had writer's block when he was writing that adaptation. So he started writing about him writing the movie. And he gave himself a twin brother which he doesn't have in real life. <laughs> and it's just, it's really odd because you don't realize until the movie's almost over that you're actually watching the adaptation that he's supposed to be writing. And he actually says the line, I think I've written myself into my own adaptation. <laughs> you know? the, the Orchid Thief was written by a woman named uh, Susan Orlean. And Meryl Streep plays her in this uh, in the movie, but it's a fictional version of her because he actually says in the film that the studio wants him to add romance and action to the story, but he doesn't want to because that's not what the book is about. But then by the end of end of the story, her arc has romance and action in it, and uh, it's a really good movie, but it's a very odd movie, and uh, which is pretty much what I can say about any Charlie Kaufman movie. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so. Being John Malkovich is is brilliant. If yeah, yeah, twist your brain around. Yeah, it's just it, th- those are all movies that you can't um, you can't just watch it one time. You have to watch it several times to be able to get any sense of what he's trying to do. Because my wife did not like adaptation because she was just watching it on the surface as just we're we're just watching this movie, and then it gets towards the end, and I and I say we're watching what he's writing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, uh, all right. I remember watching it. I, I only saw it the one time. I remember very little about it other than the fact that I was so impressed that I kept forgetting that Nicholas Cage was playing both parts. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, did, you know, yeah, he doesn't get enough credit. Everybody he could be, he, when he's good, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just, not always good. Yeah, people give him a hard time because he does he does pick bad bad scripts. But there's also a reason for that. He got himself into some really bad debt and he got himself to the point where he couldn't turn anything down. He had to work, you know, so everything that came across his desk, he took it. 
And some of those movies are really bad. <laughs> Plus, there was the fact that he was supposed to play Superman. Oh. And then they canceled that movie. But he wanted to he wanted to be a superhero so bad. He even named his son Kal-El. That, yeah. you know, he uh, <laughs> they, they said, we'll, we'll give you Ghost Rider. You can be Ghost Rider. You know, so he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have been Ghost Rider. <laughs> no. Have, have you seen the documentary, The Life and Death of, of the Superman? Lives? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that would have bullet we dodged. Yeah, it would have been a bad movie. <laughs> okay, let's take a break for just a minute. I want you guys to hear from a couple of other great podcasts that I think you'll enjoy. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, we're the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. We're hosted by Anya Crittenton, Hui Chen Bui, and Willoughby Dobbs. The three of us met in college, bonding over Game of Thrones and Disney. While we've moved past Game of Thrones, we now bond once a week in a podcast that covers everything from superheroes to musicals to summer reading to Pokemon Go. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Falcon Podcast and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Come for the hot takes, stay for the snark and puns. And the friendship that lasts forever. Hey everyone, I'm Christopher DeFilippis. My name is Skipper Martin. And you might know us as the hosts of 112263, an event podcast. But Skipper and I are here to announce our new podcast, which will be all about the new Hulu series, Castle Rock. Not only are we going to be covering the TV show, but we're going to be covering the Stephen King books and characters that seem to be somehow tied into the TV show. Not to mention TV movies and other theatrical movies, even the bad ones. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Right, Chris? Yep, we're going to do it all. So watch this space. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And we will be dropping our first episode in no time. It's about a certain murderous clown. Can't wait. Can't wait. Follow the Castle Rock TV podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CRTVPod. Visit our website at CRTVPodcast.com. And support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash CRTVPod. The Castle Rock TV podcast is a fractured entertainment to Flipside Media production. Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things. But if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life. A little bit more geek in your week. Then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com. Where we talk about everything from movies and television. Comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. But uh, I really can't stay. I'm actually off to the post office to pick up a package. I think it's uh, another book for my book club. And uh... <laughs> that's right, I read. What, is that so startling? I happen, to, I happen to think there's a lot more to life than just watching television. You can read about it, too. Did you know that? That's why I belong to the Television Biography Book of the Month Club. The TVBBOTMC. I'm sure you've heard of it. And... Uh... Let's take a look. This is the theme to Gary's show. The theme to Gary's show. Gary called me up and asked if I would write his themes. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AC's Comic Book Men. My favorite podcast. Even better than my own. Even better than all of Kevin's. 
even better than that Mark Maron guy or that Joe Rogan or the Nerdist. Screw all of them. It's all about Cosmic Potato, everybody. Listen, love it, and then listen again. Okay, go ahead with your next one, Rick. I want to okay. that you're going to say something else on all this. And I only got four things. <laughs> Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah, that's on my list, too. <laughs> oh, that's good. That good. No, not on my list. Um... Now, I, I cannot speak as passionately about this one as I have can about Shadow of the Vampire because I haven't seen it in a while. Um, I have seen it more than once, though, which for a non-science fiction movie is uh, <laughs> unusual for me. Um, but uh, Heather Graham. <laughs> but anyway, um, Boogie Nights is a is a, a the story, a kind of a, a fictionalized uh version of the life of John Holmes in the seventies. And it's about the, it's about the porn industry and, uh, kind of how it was starting to flounder as the, as the video, uh, in, in the early eighties as, as video took over, uh, and, and like porn theaters were starting to, to fade away and stuff. Um, it's, it's, um, Mark Wahlberg and, um, well, Burt Reynolds, and Heather Graham, first time I ever saw Heather Graham. <sighs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's funny. It's depressing. It's frightening. It's just everything. And, and it's such a good movie. It's a, it's Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it, and it's, it's you know the the actual i don't know that there i can't remember if there are any real scenes of of filming um there, you know i know there's at least one with uh, mark Wahlberg and uh, uh julianne moore oh that's right yeah um but it's 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 less about that and more about the the machinations that go on in, you know in the in the in the getting the films made and who's going to do it and where is it going to be done and and then uh you know uh, uh dirk diggler who's marky mark's character tries to to fi- sort of fancies himself an actual actor and tries to have a, a an action film career and it just goes terribly wrong and uh it's it's just it's a really moving film and for a non you know film that doesn't have any alien spaceships or laser guns i love it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the movie that pretty much made him a star. I mean, he had done a couple of things. He had did that movie Fear a couple of years before that. That was kind of a horror, kind of a not a horror movie, but like a thriller. And uh, but if if you ever wonder why Mark Wahlberg is a big star now, it's because of this movie. You know, this movie made him that way. And Burt Reynolds was so good in this movie too. I think he won yeah. a, he won an Oscar that year for that for the, this for this role. And mm-hmm. you know, kind of seeing this director that's made a career making porn movies but he's like really famous for it at the at the at a time that if you wanted to watch porn you basically had to go to to a theater to see it and then seeing how his career had to change once VHS came along and people were watching it at home you know it was it was really interesting and then uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh and John C Riley yeah, you know, yeah. You, you usually only see him in stupid comedies. You know, yeah. uh, they did a um, the, at the Oscars that year. It was it wasn't that year? It was a few years later. 
there was a a song and dance number with Jack Black and and uh, Will Ferrell, and uh, there was a a part of it where John C. Riley came up singing the song, telling them that you know it is possible to be a com- a comedic actor right. and a uh, serious actor because the the line in the song was I've been in both Boogie and Talladega Nights. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> but yeah, it's not and. One thing that you have to explain to people that haven't seen it: this is not a pornographic movie. It's about porn, but it's not porn. There's not. There's really not a ton of nudity in it. It's just. But there is some pretty. Yeah, there is some. You don't want the kids around when this movie's on. No, 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 no. And the uh, and not to spoil not to spoil a um, twenty something year old movie, but the scene at the end where he's looking in the mirror. I think that he made a really big mistake by going on the Tonight Show and admitting that that was a prosthetic. (laughs) (laughs) I would Um, never have told anyone that that was a prosthetic. (laughs) You could tell. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish they hadn't done that, actually. Because it was... Because it was so clearly fake. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it just it just took uh, to me it 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 it, it was just kind of like ah look at the fake Willie um, <laughs> um I, I just didn't I didn't see a need for it yeah but I I you know it it's not like it ruined the movie or anything but I thought that that scene was kind of unnecessary yeah yeah all right John what's the next one on your list well this actually wasn't on my list until uh, Rick started talking about Boogie Nights because. Uh, it made me think of Heather Graham. It made <laughs> me think of Bowfinger. Oh, yeah. Which uh, was one of the funniest. Like, there's maybe three or four times I've just laughed, like, start to finish during a movie in the theater. And Bowfinger uh, was, I think, maybe the first one that I did that to. Is that Eddie Murphy? Yeah. yeah Steve Eddie Martin. Murphy yeah. And Steve Martin. Um, How did uh, I never see this movie? Oh, oh man, it's great. Yeah. It's so funny. It's you will love this movie. This movie's great. So, uh Steve Martin plays like this um kind of smarmy movie producer. Um and you know, he's he's down on his luck, like he's 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 kind of a con man, he's kind of shady, and so he can't get his films off the ground, so he decides to um <laughs> I think the name of the movie is Chubby Rain. So he's, his his latest film project is Chubby Rain and he's he's trying to figure out a way to to shoot. He's like I need a big star. Um but you know, he can't get a big star, so he decides to uh hire a big star lookalike. And um it happens to be Eddie Murphy who is a nerdy version of the Eddie Murphy who is in this film a big star. So Eddie Murphy is playing two roles. He's playing uh, the the big star, and he's playing the nerd who looks like the big star. Um, and so they come up with this plan to basically just stalk the actual star <laughs> without him knowing, and just like live action. They're like it's like they're pranking him. So they'll put him in these crazy situations um, to get his reaction. So he's starring in the movie, but he doesn't know it. 
and for the sub <laughs> and, and for the supplemental scenes they have they have the uh or the dangerous scenes where like he has to run across traffic and stuff like that they'll use the uh they use the nerdy stand in um and heather graham stars as uh let's just say the lead actress in the film who is she, she's she's on her way to big things she's going to be somebody that one um I'm probably not doing it justice because uh, you're not laughing. <laughs> but, but that's that's the thing about about comedies and po- podcasting about comedies. It's hard to talk about comedies without just reciting lines. <laughs> right. Remember and that I, one part? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's like, there's like a big part of it that I'm that I'm intentionally not saying. Because it's it's kind of a, I mean it's not a big reveal at the end. It's like oh okay well all right, but but it but it is a a, a nice surprise when you when you see it happen. Um, but yeah, I mean two comedy genius legends, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. Like I mean it's 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 almost a lock that it's going to be hilarious, and indeed it is. All right, uh, all right. Sean, do I go? Yeah, my next one is uh, Pleasantville. From uh, 1998, mm. it's got uh, Toby Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, Jeff Daniels, William H Macy, and this is a weird one because it had the same premise as some of those dumb kids comedies like uh, Mom and Dad Save the World <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and what was the? You remember the movie that John Ritter made in the 90s where he had like a magic remote control or something and would zap in and out of. Uh, but basically, his yes. TV was a portal to the underworld or something like that. So, with, with Pam Dauber, I like that movie. But this this is kind <laughs> of like I'm a big John Ritter fan. <laughs> it had the same premise because it's about a kid that gets a magic remote control that sucks him into a TV show, and uh, or sucks him and his sister into a TV show. And the TV show is a made up show for the movie called Pleasantville, and it's supposed to be one of those old black and white family value Leave It to Beaver Donna Reed show kind of kind of things. And uh, they're exposed to this clean, ideal family sitcom world, and they begin to influence it. And people begin to have bursts of enlightenment when they when they when they're around them, and because of the things that they say and do. And uh, when they do, when they're enlightened, they're no longer black and white; they become color. And the flowers in the town start turning into color. And and by the end of it, everybody in town is color except for the town fathers and the mayor because they want everybody to say this to stay the same, you know? So, um, like I said, the, the movie starts out with a stupid, with a stupid concept, but you start to see that it's a film about repression and it's about how holding on to things that, you know, and being afraid of letting the world change around you and you changing with it can lead to a lot of social problems. Like racism is a big theme here because, uh, you know the people that turn into color are looked down on because they they act like they did something bad to become that way and uh you know it, it's just it, it's a really good movie even though if you just watch the very beginning of it you're thinking oh this is going to be stupid you know they're getting sucked into a TV show and Don Knotts is there <laughs> and all <of> that <laughs> but it's uh, it's really have have either one of you seen it Pleasantville Yeah it was great I've only seen bits and pieces of it because it's you know it was like a staple on HBO and Showtime and stuff for yeah. a while, but uh, I've never seen the whole movie. Yeah, it's one of those films where um, 
bits and pieces you really what might intrigue you, but it, it you can't really follow it. You, you really kind of sit down and take it in start to finish. Yeah, if you just go by what you see, if you watch the trailer for it and you just go by what you see in the trailer, you're not going to get what the movie is really really is you know it, it, it's a lot deeper and it's a lot there's a lot more to it than just hey this kid has a magic remote and he gets sucked into a tv show you know there's a lot more to it than that and that's why i haven't seen it because the, the the trailers and, and stuff you know the, i think the supernatural did it better <laughs> yeah <laughs> every tv show does it at least once every science fiction type show they get sucked into some old time TV show eventually. All right. All right, Rick. So what's, what's your next one? All right. This one may be cheating. I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Galaxy quest. No, that's not cheating. (laughs) They're making a show. (laughs) If you're not familiar with galaxy quest. And again, if you're listening to this show and you're not the hell, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Galaxy Quest came out in 90... 99, I think. 99, something like that? Yeah. Um, and the, the pre- <clears throat> premise, that's the word I was looking for earlier. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> I didn't hear you, no. I really do have to speak up, apparently. <laughs> um, the premise is that uh, you've got a bunch of actors who were on a, a cheesy 80s science fiction TV series that is almost but not really Star Trek. Uh, and they are at a convention uh, for their show and you've got you've got the 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 the, the Shakespearean actor of uh, Alan Rickman who played the alien first officer who's who's you know constantly whining about how his career is totally crashed and and you know he used to do Shakespeare and now he's doing this crap and you've got the 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 kid helmsman who is now you know in the show he was eight years old but now he's 26 and and just coping and yeah the 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 busty bubbly communications officer played by Sigourney Weaver and then the William Shatner surrogate who was played by Tim Allen. Uh, and ultimately what happens is they get taken to a real spaceship by aliens who saw the transmissions of their show and believed that they were real, calling them the historical documents. And so they created the ship and all of the technology and they, they don't kidnap the actors so much as there's a misunderstanding. The actors think it's a it's a job of just you know showing up at some you know some other kind of convention sort of thing, but it's they're transported halfway across the galaxy and expected to run this spaceship. And it's a movie that could have been painful, and in, instead has become on a lot of lists a lot of people's favorite Star Trek movie. <laughs> uh, it is a very respectful yet unvarnished look at fandom uh all couched within this action film uh and it's all about how these actors try to they they try to portray their characters in, in reality until the reality becomes very deadly and suddenly you know the the, the guy that that plays um Tommy I don't know the actor's name offhand, but like 
the first time the ship gets almost blown up, he gets his arm broken and he's just, he's just like screeching. <laughs> his arm <laughs> is broken. And one of the aliens, aliens just sort of picks him up and he's like squealing and they take him down to the sick bay. And, uh, and Sigourney Weaver is just like, her her job in the show was always she just sort of kept repeating the computer, and she catches herself doing that. She's like, I don't believe I'm doing this. Um, it is a it's a brilliant film. It's a very meta film. And if you are in any way a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan, if you've ever been to a convention, ever been involved in in the uh, the you know fandom beyond just sort of a oh yeah I like that show. There is the the, the show is hilarious. The the movie's hilarious, and it's. If you haven't seen it yet, go get it, buy it, live it, own it. You've got to see Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah, it's good, and it's weird because it's not the first time that that concept has been done, but it's the best time that I remember because there was a TV show that came out just a couple of years before that came out that was kind of the same thing. There was a, and in my mind, I'm putting Bruce Campbell in it, but I don't think it was Bruce Campbell. And it, it was a very short-lived TV show. It was like one of those action-packed type shows. And uh, there was a guy that was on a show that was kind of like a Flash Gordon type show. And he gets beamed away to another galaxy. And uh, they think that he is that character. And they have him you know, get involved in, in what's going on in their planet. But then Galaxy Quest came along when I saw the previews for it. I was like, well, they, they just did this TV show that didn't last. It They did the same thing. But then Galaxy Quest is, yeah, so much better. Plus, it's got the Star Trek angle instead of the Flash Gordon angle. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, and there was talk of turning it into a TV series a year or so ago, but it, it doesn't seem to have happened. Well, what happened was Alan Rickman passed away. And, uh, you know, I... I, I looking for the very faintest of silver linings uh, in his far too early death is that I don't think it would have worked as a series. I think it would have run out of steam really quickly. And uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. Oh, I didn't even realize that they were talking about doing it with the original cast. I, I was, oh, yeah. I was assuming oh, yeah. it was like a reboot or something like that, but okay. Well, yeah, that, which Tim Allen's probably wishing they would do it now that he's lost his <laughs> he's lost his <laughs> show. <laughs> All right, John, go ahead with your next one. Uh, okay, um, this is uh, a m- movie about a play about a play <laughs> became a play based on the movie and a movie based on that play. Can you name it? The producers? The producers, correct. <laughs> no. uh, one in the long line of Mel Brooks' uh, genius films. Uh, I'm talking about the original uh, from 1968, starring uh, Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel. Right? Yeah, Mostel. Mostel. Um, <laughs> I just wrote in caps here, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Springtime so, uh, for Hitler and Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and Germany. All right, so um, for those of you not familiar, um, the producers um, follow a sense of theme now that I'm looking at it. There's another con man, charlatan, <laughs> um, showbiz type, um, played by uh, Zero. Um, what's, his, what's his name? Max... 
Bialystok. 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 Um, who is uh, partnered with uh, Jane Wilder, who's an accountant. And um, while they're going over his finances, uh, Gene Wilder, just as a thought experiment, says, you know, technically, you could make more money with a flop than a hit. Like, what do you mean? Well, you know, if you, if you, you know, you put all, you invest all this money and, you know, you, 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 pay for actors and you pay for all the things and then you take a big loss, you can, you know, you can just write it off as a deduction. And he's like, okay, hey, let's do it. And that becomes the plan. So they try to find uh, the worst actors and the worst play <laughs> to produce. <laughs> and they come up with uh, springtime for Hitler, which is a love letter to Hitler, basically. <laughs> uh, and I think I'll probably leave it there because if by any chance you haven't seen it, um, that's probably enough to, to get you going. You're either going to see it based on that or you're not. <laughs> or you're going to see it based on the fact that it won like every award that you can win, um, both on the screen and on the stage, and then on the screen based on the stage play based on the screen movie. Uh, so the, the the stage performance when it was revived was um, starred... Um, Matthew Broderick and uh, Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. I was in um, like early two thousands, I think. Now they, they I, turned it into a musical, though. That's the that's the the main difference. Right, 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 right. Um, the the <laughs> the movie was about the play, which was a musical, but the movie itself was not a musical. But the play, based on the movie about the musical, was in fact a musical. And when they <laughs> made the musical, when they made the movie based on the play. That also was a musical. So it wasn't quite a reboot. It was a retelling based on a reinterpretation based on the movie about the play. My brain hurts. Yeah, I'm lost, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like Inception up in this. Um, but no, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was. It, uh, yeah, and and the, yeah. the problem with, you know, and, and speaking as a theater professional, the problem with the success of the uh, of the the the, the Broadway revival re- reboot of the producers is that it spawned a whole bunch of copycat stuff that yeah. has been absolutely horrible. <laughs> uh, like uh, I understand Young Frankenstein, the musical was a ter- was terrible. Um uh, I I don't know that they tried Blazing Saddles. Was it just the Michael book stuff? Yeah, they're just trying to take old movies and turn them into musicals. Now, I will grant you that I think Spamalot might have been a result of this this trend. But of course, you know the the Python guys will just parody the hell out of something, and that's what Spamalot is. Right. Um, so it 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 you know yeah the producers. The play is supposed to be fantastic. I never, I have not had a chance to see it, nor have I seen the movie. But I, I know tons of people who have, and they say it's great. But a lot of the stuff it spawned was not. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've not seen any actual stage performance. I saw the original movie, and I saw the movie based on the musical play. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this sound like a this sound like a tuning uh, a tuning horn like you were about to start singing a song. <laughs> Man, he's really into this musical stuff. They made a they made a uh, musical a Broadway musical out of Rocky. <laughs> yeah, did they really? Yeah, they did. It is it's no longer playing. I actually wanted to see it because it was in New York while we were there, and then of course the school wanted to go see Aladdin because it you know kids and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, that's probably the right. Call. Right. <laughs> Let's uh, throw out our uh, honorable mentions. Um, I've got a few here. Get Shorty from 1995 with John Travolta and Gene Hackman, Renee Russo, Danny DeVito, based on an Elmore Leonard novel that I, I is one of the few movies that I actually read the book before the movie came out. I didn't even know that they were making the movie when I read the book, and uh, the book is definitely better than the movie. But you know, it's a pretty good movie. They made a sequel to it called uh, um, Be Cool. Yeah, Be Cool. Which I didn't really care for the sequel, but the, but the first one was I liked it. It was good. Uh, Wag the Dog. From 1997 with uh, Susie Plaxon, De Niro and Hoffman and uh, Anne Heche, Dennis Leary. It's weird because it's about a, a, a sex a sex scandal in the White House right before an election. So they hired the the, the spin doctor, and the spin doctor hires a Hollywood uh, producer, and they make up this fake war. And it happened at the same time that the Lewinsky scandal was going on, and and then uh, the Clinton administration bombed um, uh, the Sudan at the same time that this movie came out on video. So when it came out in the theaters, it did all right. But when it came out on video, it was kind of being mirrored in, in, in real life or so, that, you know, they were trying to spin it that way anyway. But it didn't work out the same way as it did in the movie because everybody knows who Monica Lewinsky is now, but nobody remembers that bombing. <laughs> that Sudan <laughs> bombing. Uh, and then I also had um, It's Gary Shandling Show. Do you guys remember that? Of course. I I never saw it because it was on it was on like Showtime or HBO, right? Yeah, it was on Showtime, and yeah, yeah, it was a sitcom, but everybody in it knew that they were in a sitcom, and they would turn and start talking to the camera sometimes, and they would walk off set and go up into the audience sometimes, and when they would change scenes, they would just walk off the set and walk across the stage and get on the other set and start doing the, the next scene, you know. So it was <laughs> it was really meta, and I was I was in my preteen years then and i and i just when i saw it i was like man this is different you know it was just something that really stood out because it wasn't like every other sitcom that you were that you were watching and then uh my big honorable mention that i I really probably should have talked about it more in depth but it's the truman show with uh jim carrey laura lenny thought about that one yeah i mean it's 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 the ultimate of we're making a tv show because it's such a it's such a satire of reality television but it came out really at the at the dawn of reality TV, and now it, it it's probably more so now because everything that's on TV really is a reality show, especially in the summer because they're so cheap to make, you know. But uh, and everybody wants to be on TV, you know. And mm-hmm. now that we've got YouTube, everybody can be. <laughs> so it's also one of the three Jim Carrey movies that I I enjoyed. It's one of the. It's the first one. Yeah, it's the first one where he really. It seemed like he was really trying, you know. And yeah, I, yeah, I he, 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 there was like a dramatic angle to. Yeah, it. and I'm being unfair because 
even even the stupid comedy movies that he did, he was trying because it, it it's not easy to do what he was doing. Um, but it's the first one that came along that you could watch. Uh, it was easier to watch it if you weren't high <laughs> than, 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 than some of the others that he had made before that. So, you know. But, Maybe uh, that's the problem with me and Jim Carrey. Is I stopped smoking <laughs> weed too soon. <laughs> yeah. Or he didn't stop soon enough. Yeah. 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 All right, Rick. You got some honorable mentions. I I've got one, and the only reason I I didn't really talk about it in depth is it's been so long since I've seen it. Um, Ed Wood, which I remember really uh-huh. enjoying it, but I only saw it the one time when it came out, so. Uh, you know, I can't remember specifics about it, but uh, I, I just, I really, it's, it's Tim Burton before he lost his mind. Um, yeah. And it's Johnny Depp before he became Johnny Depp with capitals and quotations and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's a kind of fictionalized uh, pseudo biopic about Ed Wood, who was just kind of the king of, really bad schlock movies uh, in the eighties. Um, and it's, I, I remember really enjoying it. I just, I, it was so long ago. I can't get into any specifics other than I really enjoyed it. Yep. That's a good one. Yep. All right, John, honorable mentions. I've got a few. Um, Oh, you know what? How about, um, I, I, 30 Rock. Yeah. Multi Emmy winning 30 Rock starring uh, Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin. Loosely based on their experience working for Saturday Night Live, show about a show. And um, I'm going to give um, a Lifetime Achievement Award to Aaron Sorkin <laughs> for uh, Sports Night, Studio 60 on the Sunstretch Trip, and The Newsroom, all shows about shows. Studio all 60, well- all, yeah. Studio 60 almost made it on my list, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was was really underappreciated because it was on MT- it was on NBC the same time as 30 Rock and it was just confusing because they were both kind of shows about the same things so and one was more of a drama one was a comedy and yeah that's yeah. why that's why Studio 60 tried to they tried to branch it off and make it about the entire network and not just the one show but uh but by then it was it was already dead in the water yeah and I've got a couple of uh other honorable mentions, action movies about action movie stars. Uh, so, so they're not, they're less about movies about movies, but kind of a little bit. The Hard Way, starring uh, Michael J. Fox and James Woods. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. I remember yeah. that because when they showed it on, when they showed it on TV, uh, they tried to clean up the language and they kept saying slug in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, <laughs> and so and so, me and my brother started saying "slug in a ditch" a lot. My mom did not like it. <laughs> um, I watched it on HBO, so I don't remember that. <laughs> um, and uh, the last action hero, yes, starring um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I considered and- that one, but I could remember even less about that one than I could about <laughs> Ed Wood. Uh, kids got, I think, like a magic movie ticket, and so he ends up going into the action movie world where your gun ru- never runs out of bullets and people just kind of shrug off explosions and cars <laughs> blow up if you shoot them one time. And Sylvester Stallone was in Terminator. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. 
um, yeah, it was it was it was a uh, surprisingly entertaining. I, I was not expecting much, and there was also even a little bit of like pathos drama when uh, the action star, the action hero, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, comes into the real world during a movie premiere of the, of the latest film in the in the in the franchise. And he kind of goes off on Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor, for ruining his life. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, my wife and kid are dead because of you. <laughs> like, Sorry, I just played the part. Yeah, unfortunately, um, it came out, I think it came out the same weekend as uh, Jurassic Park, which is uh, pretty much why it's not re- yeah. it's not remembered as well <laughs> as Jurassic Park. Well, I think I think it's, it's remembered about as well as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was fine. It was fun, but it's no Jurassic Park, and um, I'm really gonna um, bend the rules here and say um, turn the page by Metallica. <laughs> song about a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you you, you do know that's not their song, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but I like it. I like their version better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna start talking about people remaking people's songs. We'll be here all night. <laughs> no, I oh, do. I, I do like their version better. I, I actually had someone say to me on Facebook, we in a conversation about things about how god awful Bruce Springsteen's cover of "Blinded by the Light" was. Uh. <laughs> like, I hate to tell you this, but. <laughs> I just I just had a, a, an epiphany. I knew there was something blindingly obvious that I couldn't remember, and it just dawned on me. We don't have to talk about it too much because I don't think it needs it, it. It the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was all yeah. about the the newsroom. Yeah. Like there's the, a lot of like Murphy the, Murphy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> is about making news and yeah yeah. There's a lot of TV shows about TV shows. Like I said, when I started making my list. When I came up with the topic, I didn't realize how many there really were. You know, we could talk. I could have talked about Eight Millimeter. You know, that was that. That's a movie about making movies, I know, stuff like that. But, but that's going to do it for this episode of our show. Uh, make sure to look us up on iTunes, Stitcher. We're back on Google Play. We're back on Spreaker. So if you use either one of those apps, we're on there as of last week. Uh, you should go to one of those places and subscribe to the show because you'll get a notification whenever a new episode is dropped. And make sure that while you're there, you leave us a comment, review the show, give give us a rating because all of those things are going to make it a lot easier for new people to find the show. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us any movies about movies that you would have talked about. Give us ideas for topics to talk about in the future. Uh, you can do that by going to our website at CosmicPotato.com. Click on the contact tab, and you'll see links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, and also our email address, which is uh, mail at CosmicPotato.com. And also, uh, if you're in the Birmingham area, uh, on the 28th of July, I'm going to be at the Sci-Fi Fantasy Festival, which is going to be held at the Hoover Public Library, uh, July the 28th through the 30th. I'm going to be there on Friday night, and I'm going to be doing a couple of panels. I'm going to do a Doctor Who panel. And I'm going to do a panel where we're going to talk about the rules that they should follow if they're going to make reboots. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to record all that stuff, and you'll be able to hear that on the on the show in the future. But, uh, Rick, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. And where can people find you? 
can find me at simplysyndicated.com. Look for Starbase 66, Simply Syndicated Movie News, or the 7th Chevron. Oh, and I wanted to mention the uh, uh, the Admiral's Table interview that you did a couple of weeks ago. What was the lady's name that you interviewed? Oh, with uh, Amy Shira Title? Yeah, that was a good interview. Yeah. You want- Thank you. Yeah, she was fun to talk to. Uh, her her uh, YouTube channel, Vintage Space, which is about uh, the the nasa apollo days and and some of the pre-apollo days is really a lot of fun yeah and she she's a hoot she's just a ball of energy barely contained (laughs) (laughs) that was good i listened to that that was good oh thank you and john as always sir a pleasure yeah i'm here to no never mind (laughs) you're welcome please don't (laughs) (laughs) and be sure to join us next time on cosmic potato the super fan talk podcast when you might hear john say so I was thinking um, I'm going to do maybe like a new section here. We're going to call it leftovers and do-overs. So this is stuff that I meant to say on previous shows, but I just forgot. <laughs> so on the Wonder Woman review, um, I meant to point out that like as Wonder Woman is leaving the island, uh, Hippolyta says, you may never return. And you think she's saying you can't come back. But what she's really saying is once you leave, you might not be able to come back. It was yeah. made like that. I didn't Mm -hmm. get that the first time. On the Guilty Pleasures episode, I didn't say Evil Dead. Because the first time I watched it, I hated it. I didn't get it. I thought it was the worst movie ever. And I actually wrote down the names of all the people involved in the credits. So I wouldn't accidentally (laughs) see anything else that they did. (laughs) Um, But I came to love it over time. It is a cult classic, and and I appreciate it. And when I did the other closing bit where I sang all the quotes from the beginning in the you might hear John say next time and it's it kicked I I hate to this day that I didn't end it the way I should have ended it um so I think I did like a you filthy I don't know but what I should have said was keep the change you filthy animal <laughs> 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 